This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer and this is Farmer's Kitchen. On today's episode, we are celebrating talent both up and coming and established in conversation with 25-year-old Celia Stockland. She is their exec chef at Celia, just 25 years old, and Richard Sandoval, a legend in Latin cooking. We're also learning more about a zero-waste dinner that's happening right here in Dubai. Getting back to the British roots. I was having a great time talking roast dinners with Chef Damien of Cotterie. We were also joined by Courtney Brandt. She was on hand to guide us through the latest food news and give you some ideas about what to do this weekend. And speaking to not one, but two incredible chefs from Atlantis, the Royal, ahead of the King's coronation. So what's on the menu? This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We have got a very big occasion in the British calendar coming up next weekend and Dubai is coming out in force. There's going to be all sorts happening across the city on the food front, on the celebrations front, lots of people getting the bunting in. Um, But if you want to do something truly elevated, this one is for you. Paying homage to the crowning of King Charles III, Little Venice Cake Company, Atlantis the Royal, is launching some delectable desserts and there's also a created set menu at dinner by Hessen Blumenthal, inspired by coronations throughout British history. The people behind these menus are with us now. Delighted to be welcoming to the show Mish Turner and Tom Allen. He is Chef de Cuisine at Dinner by Heston. Chef Tom, how are you today? Hello, Helen. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm very good, thank you. I want to know a little bit about the last couple of, well, it's probably been about a month now since the hotel opened. Huge amount of expectation and fanfare about Heston's first outpost here in the UAE. Tell us a little bit about how it's perhaps different to other parts of the world where he's been uh, putting down some roots. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fantastic couple of months, uh, obviously from the, the Grand Reveal weekend. Uh, which was quite a big ordeal at Atlantis Royal. Um, so yeah, we've 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 had a, a great time. We've we've launched the restaurant, um, getting some great feedback, um, and hopefully making some 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 guests happy. There's no there's no more efficient way through food. Tell us a little bit about the menu. Um, are there any dishes that have been created for dinner in Dubai in particular, or is everything staying quite true to what people might experience in the UK in particular? So at the moment, uh, the, the menu is it's kind of it's, it's mirrored from from dinner London. Um, we've we've got a little nod to Dubai. We have a little pearl caviar, which we serve. Obviously, Dubai used to be uh, quite big for um, pearls um, in the early nineteenth century. So we have that, um, and we I think as we go along, we'll try and get some dishes and uh, you know apply them with a bit of history from this part of the world. Um, and obviously, we have our up-and-coming coronation menu, which we've uh, we've put together, crafted, and um, we have that going live, uh, ready for the for coronation. So we're very excited about that. Well, we're going to be delving into that menu. Mish Turner, thank you so much for being with us today. Little Venice Company, um, famed in the UK and now here in Dubai. Tell us a little bit about how you found opening your doors here. Have there been any surprises and any interesting requests so far, Mish? Hi, Helen. Lovely to see you or have you you. be with you this afternoon. Yeah, fantastic. What we're loving is the the excitement and the, of, the, of people coming into our atelier. We have on display our Feast of Dreams cake that we created for the Grand Reveal. So people can come and visit and guests can come and experience the story and the wonder and the awe and the splendaciousness of everything to do with sweet treats, cakes and bakes. Word of the day, splendaciousness. What, what's, uh, what's selling well? What are people really engaged with? Are there any flavour combinations that are proving to be particularly popular for diners in Dubai? Yes. Yeah. For sure. I have to say that the toffee date salted caramel was an absolute hit um, during Ramadan for Iftar and, and the celebration. So that's been that was introduced in time for Ramadan and that will now stay as part of our collection. Um, but also our raspberry, rose and pistachio because it's a heavenly vanilla based cake, um, sort of butter based, but then has the most sort of wonderful fresh raspberries, pistachios and then this delicious Swiss meringue buttercream that we make with raspberry powder. So it sort of hydrolyzes. So it delivers the most wonderful um, uh, sort of sorbet style sherbet and buttercream. So the cakes are just delicious because they deliver 
a flavour rather mm. than just sweetness and they're mm. so fruity that people are absolutely loving them. Oh, I'm thrilled for you. I really am. And it, we, we have got a bit of a sweet tooth here in Dubai. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that menu and what you're preparing for the coronation. But Tom, tell us a little bit about what you've been working on. As I said, paying tribute, inspired by coronations throughout British history. How much research has, has gone into this? How, how much have you been delving into the foodie archives? Um, an awful lot of research, actually. So, um, so, so dinner is—it's a British, um, British historically inspired restaurant. So, Heston is absolutely obsessed with British food history. Um, we're very lucky; we get to work with um, food historians, creators of museums. We have um, very extensive access um, into the the Great British Library. Um, so, we take inspiration from from the past. Um, so, it could be a, a recipe. It could be. Um, something that was served, um, and then we <clears throat> we take that back to our development kitchen. Uh, we apply a lot of technique and methodology, um, and we'll take inspiration and we'll reimagine and and re uh, re recook the dish um, mm-hmm. so that we have a, a a great menu on on offer for our diners. So we have the iconic meat fruit, which is one of our most signature dishes. Um, we have the tipsy cake with the pineapple. Um, so we have. Pineapples grilling where you're sat eating your dinner. You get to look at them. They take about four or five hours to cook while they're wow. basted in caramel. Um, and it's, it's for me, the tipsy cake is comfort food at its absolute best. I've been eating it for the last 12 years and it, it doesn't get boring. Um, <laughs> so we work a lot on the menu, yeah. So I've heard there's a, a, some, some real royal additions as well um, to the coronation meal. A coronation chicken tart, is that right? There is, yeah. So that was um, that's to start the meal. So we have five courses um, to celebrate King Charles III's uh, coronation, um, and the the carnation chicken tart uh, is a little nod to Queen Elizabeth II. Um, she enjoyed eating carnation chicken, and uh, I think she she actually ate it at her coronation, um, which obviously hence hence the name. Um, You're not just and, doing yeah, a we, traditional one, though, Tom. Come on, how are you, how are you making it uh, making it dinner style? What what's the point of difference? With point of difference, um, we, we look into every every ingredient that goes into it to make it the best it can be. Um, so it's a little little brick pastry tart, um, obviously chicken, curried mayonnaise. There's smoked almonds on there, um, some grapes, some little bits of coriander, um, and it's just it's very tasty. A nice way to start the meal. Um, and um, I understand the kind of main event's going to be beef. Is that right? Tell us about how you're preparing and any surprises along the way. That's correct. So Heston Heston found um, an old recipe in the archives uh, called Beef Royale, um, and it was served to King George the Third um, at his coronation. Um, and it, it, it had beef, anchovy, um, tongue. Um, it had claret, so so wine. Um, we've removed the wine for uh, for, for the Dubai uh, menu. Um, had truffle as well, so it's um, it's fillet of uh, wagyu beef with a, a lovely sauce. Um, there's smoked anchovy on there. Uh, there's a, a, a buttered baked carrot and a really delicious sauce with all of the anchovy, parsley, and, and, and gherkins just to bring it together, just to help balance the dish. Oh. So it's a it's a lovely dish. Tom Allen, chef, thank you for that. Uh, hopefully, there's some space for dessert. Mish Turner of uh, Little Venice Cake. I mean, what 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 are you preparing for this momentous occasion for so many, both here in the UAE, but of course in the UK too. Well, I was going to say that if you have any space left, we can certainly help to sort of tantalise your taste buds. We're serving up a delicious selection, actually. In the Atelier at Little Venice Cake Company, we're going to be having our signature carrot cake, but we're going to be delivering this with a lovely orange cream cheese frosting because we know that King Charles is a real lover of the land um, and that sort of diversity, sustainability. Mm. So we want to make sure that we're delivering cakes that have that sort of earthiness and tone to it. So our carrot cake is one of our best sellers. It's made with walnuts, sultanas and coconut. Um, And then we wrap this in a most delicious sort of creamy orange cream cheese frosting. So that's going to be available during the coronation, along with our coronation date cake. So this is actually a loaf cake that's made with medjool dates, British apples, lemon and ginger. Um, And it's one that I actually designed and created for Her Majesty the Queen. But we are elevating it for the coronation. And because we're in the region in Dubai, by spiking it with a citrusy syrup of uh, sort of rose and um, and lemon juice. And then we're dredging it on the top with roasted pistachios, fresh rose petals with a nod to the British rose and the ubiquitous gold leaf. So that really delivers that sort of royal status. But the really special cakes that we're creating are our individual crown cakes. And this cake that we're making actually has a, a handmade gold crown out of fondant sugar paste on each of the cakes. So it has the red, white and blue bunting. 
um, that's all hand-piped in scrolls, beautiful pearls, and it's a lovely chocolate salted caramel cake inside. So if you're looking for a way to really sort of decorate um, a table or dress or gift, um, they come in their own beautiful little individual boxes. We've got lots of lovely, lovely designs uh, there. Oh. And then, we, of course, we have the beautiful china that you can actually um, have at the same time. Some of our real warrant makers will warrant holders for our silver sort of teaspoons and pastry forks. So we can really elevate the gifting service that we have to accompany the coronation. So sounds, we're all super excited. Oh, the girls are primed and we can't wait to welcome people into the atelier. Guys, it sounds like an absolute showstopper. Thank you so much for making time with us today, this Friday afternoon. I both, you know you're both incredibly busy. I'm going to let you get back to your kitchens, get back to those cakes. Uh, Chef Tom Allen, Chef de Cuisine at Dinner by Heston there and Mish Turner from Little Venice Cake Company. Both can be found at at Atlantis the Royal and that dinner is going to be available from the 5th to 14th of May really appreciate your time guys and have a fantastic coronation weekend if you get the chance to actually relax this is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinneys eat well live well what if I told you you could have a fancy dinner and help save the planet at the same time? That's exactly what's going to be served up at Ginger Moon on the 4th of May at the W Dubai Mina Siahin. Now joining us is Chef Stefan, the Executive Assistant Manager of Culinary and F&B. And I know you're busy on a Friday, so thank you. How Hi, are you, Lynn. Chef? How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I am so intrigued by the concept of a zero-waste dinner because... We, we started composting during the pandemic, not, mm. not because of the pandemic. We just kind of, we were bored. We were like, well, we'll finally get a compost bin. And I was, and still to this day, I'm shocked at the amount that goes into our compost. Like, you know, eggshells, scraps, it's considerable. And I look at that and think, oh, yeah, that's great for the garden. You probably look at that and go, oh, that could be really great in the kitchen. So for anyone that's not familiar with a zero waste dinner as a, as a concept, as an idea, can you explain what it's all about? Well, the, the idea is, is really to look at uh, our ingredient, where we source them from and how we will use them. And it's also to educate uh, our staff, uh, our associates in being more conscious with, with the planet and, and what we do. In the hotel, we have a major amount of, of wastage. Uh, in, in Middle East in particular, uh, uh, it is, it is in wastage became normal. And uh, yeah. we're trying to be more conscious and to reduce this for various reasons. One is to be more conscious about the, the planet and do our part. And in a zero-waste dinner, the idea is whatever we use for the dinner is once everything is prepared, that we have nothing left or as minimum that will go to the bin. Wow. Okay. So this is a challenge, but I guess it's a bit of an opportunity for creativity as well. It is. So it, it is a good education uh, in the sense of, of um, developing creativity of our chefs mm-hmm. in, in thinking of how can I use everything? How can I use the stem of the beetroot and the skin and the pulp and the leftover of the pulp? And what do we do with it? And how, how do we do, prepare it? Because you need, you need a lot of research and development as well to uh, how do I turn the skin into a molasses to be used in a drink? Uh, how do I, um, what do I do with the leaves? Can I dry the leaf and, and make a seasoning with it? So this is, this is a whole education. And by doing this, actually, we are managing to reduce our waste. And in the zero waste dinner that uh, we will have next week, we actually will have zero waste because <sighs> everything that is left, uh, that will be some of uh, uh, the, the bone of the fish, the skin, and some of uh, scrap from vegetable mm-hmm. that have been processed. This is turned into a compost that will go uh, in the center of the table to, to grow a, a plant. Oh, right. Oh, right. So we're going full circular. And yeah. then maybe that plant could find its way to the plate down the line as well. Exactly. Um, it's interesting. I spoke to a chef out of a restaurant in London called Silo, and they aim to be a zero bin kitchen. So they don't want to have any kind of garbage bin in the kitchen at all. So they've mm. got this food aspect, but they also look at packaging and for them it's about an education for even for their suppliers and saying you know if you want to work with us you need to be using reusable containers you know we can't have plastic coming into the kitchen things like that I think it's really really interesting to see just how far this could go and as as you're saying that kind of creativity being push push pushed 
You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Exploring the concept of a zero waste dinner now with Chef Stefan Bultoza. He is the Executive Assistant Manager of Culinary and F&B and there at the W Dubai Minasiahi and at Ginger Moon next week. Uh, so mark your diaries, 4th of May. They are having a zero waste dinner. I want to know... What have some of the biggest challenges for you and the team been? What, has there been an ingredient or a dish where you're like, oh, so close to getting this to zero, but we're not quite there, and, and then you've cracked it? Um, it's a good question. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was. I think it was, it was challenging for the team mm. um, because... Uh, I put the concept forward and I asked them uh, to do something and, and they were kind of missing the point of how much are left. Uh, so with a bit of, of guidance, uh, we, we reached there and they understood that uh, everything can be used uh, if we make a little effort to think of what we can do. So with a, a bit of guidance, we, we reached there in, in the final scrap of uh, dehydrating some of the item to uh, powder it to use it as a se- seasoning um, the to compost uh, what was uh, left over to grow uh, sage and basil that are also a native plant in the region um, so I think that the guy and, and, and the point of this is also the guidance the, the education that, that we bring to the chef we have a lot of uh, program in the hotel where we try to minimize our waste on, on a large scale mm-hmm. uh, for example we will use we will use uh, uh, 150 to 200 of watermelon every day uh, in the hotel so the, the skin makes a lot of waste so we, we stop throwing the skin away and we, we actually pickle the, the skin in different way we make different type of kimchi we make pickle that are used in the complex in in salads in in seasoning in uh in, in condiment uh we do the same with the the skin of the pineapple where we also use about 300 or 400 kilo of pineapple a day wow. within the comp- the complex so uh we, it is a very famous or uh, uh, common juice that they do in south america where they boil the pineapple skin mm-hmm. to make uh, a pineapple juice that are used so we, we do this and we use those juice for to make cocktails or uh, as a breakfast elixir um and and we we control our waste by uh by by doing this it's really this interesting kind of to think about exactly you're talking about south america that you know you've got so many chefs from different parts of the world perhaps you know kind of pooling all of their ideas and resources. So let's talk about what's on the menu. What, what, what are you going to be serving up on Thursday night at Ginger Moon? So we have a, a five-course dinner. The, the first one is um, a cannelloni of uh, beetroot, which is a raw beetroot filled with um, uh, a curd of uh, goat cheese that we uh, homemade and, uh, and a, crest, uh, a crest salad. Um, some of the, the, the skin of the, the beetroot uh, is turned into a molasses that will be used in one of the the beverage that will pair with uh, okay. with the dish. Uh, the second dish is root and shoot. Uh, it's actually a mix of uh, of uh, root and vegetable where everything is used um, for the dish. So the the root are, are braised. Uh, the cooking liquid is turned into a, a syrup to to season uh, the salads. Uh, then we have a, a fried uh, artichoke with uh, a form of uh, parmesan, which is made from the skin of the parmesan. Oh, wow. Um, the, the stem of the artichoke is used to make a bitter for another of the beverage. Uh, we have uh, tomato, where we use, uh, again, uh, local source uh, tomato, where we use the, the, the flesh. The skin is turned into powder for seasoning. Um, uh, so the, the, the pulp is turned into a, a consomme uh, to, to cover uh, the, the salads. Um, the main course is a, a, a Chilean sibas uh, that is from um, uh, sustainable uh, um, fishing. Uh, and and this is also a bit of a message to the environment mm-hmm. where the, the Chilean sibas is covered with uh, a blacking velute. So essentially it's a plate with just a black stain on the plate and, um, and a yuzu oil. A- and this represents the pollution that we have in the ocean and that we need to be more conscious um, because the, the appeal of a black dish is also not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you've been working incredibly hard. I think you, you're talking there about being an education for the team, but I think diners, I mean, you just talking there about some of the, the ways you can use 
you know, we think about nose to tail when it comes to yeah. animals, but, you know, that kind of nose to tail when it comes to fruit and vegetables and never look at a tomato in the same way again. And we've run out of time, but if anyone wants to join you, What's the best way of getting in touch and booking for the Zero Waste Dinner next week? Well, you, you can call uh, the W Hotel or Ginger Moon in the W Hotel to make a, a reservation. We have a limited uh, amount of seats. We have uh, 80 seats, and I think at this time is only 12 or 14 seats left. Yeah, so have to be fast. Only a, a, few, uh, a few places. Well, if you want more information, you're more than welcome to send me the word zero, and I will send you the link so you can score one of those last few seats. Shastafan, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. As I thank said, you very much. always on a Friday, get back the kitchen and get creating. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Talking best of British, ahead of course of the coronation. I think everyone's kind of craving those classics. And if you're on the hunt, then the Co3 might just be the answer to your problems. We've got head chef Damien Lovejoie with us today, originally from Scotland, but has spent the last few years travelling the earth, France, uh, Spain, Miami, private yachts, big villas. And now we've, we've pinned him down in Dubai uh, to, to kind of avail of his talents. How are you, chef? Very well, thank you. I am hungry. <laughs> I had a look at your menu earlier. And I'm not, um, interestingly, I love getting recommendations from listeners from where they've been going, what they've been enjoying. And we get that from guests on the show as well. And it was actually uh, food writer Dan, who was in a couple of weeks, and he's like, Helen, I've got to tell you about, oh my goodness, I had this roast dinner. Uh, and he's a very high energy guy. And I was like, all right, just you know, take a breath. Where, where have you been? And he's like, Coterie. And I was like, okay, I'm not familiar with it. Where is he? He's like, it's on the roof in Batuta. And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? I need to know more. And this is, this is your place. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, the, I don't like saying the concept, but the concept of Coterie, what it's all about. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I mean, Coterie is made up of two different uh, restaurants or two areas of our venue. Um, so firstly, we've got our huge sports sports bar uh, called Coterie Social. And then um, we've got our cafe called Coterie Kitchen where we're doing lighter, healthier bites. I'm not breakfast. interested in that. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and so, yeah, we make all our own stuff on, uh, on site, like our uh, pastries, cookies, breads, Ooh. smoothies, daily, etc. So, um, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk the British stuff because that's that's what Dan was raving sure. about. And as I said, I looked at the menu and fish and chips, pies. Please yeah. tell me pies are not, it's not just the top, you've got a bottom on the pie as well, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just need to check. What pies are we talking? So we do a steak and stout pie, which is our, our signature dish. We use English ale, um, make everything from scratch. And we do it really traditionally with, uh, you know, mashed peas and uh, homemade beef bone gravy. So, uh, okay, yeah. I'm glad you said the gravy word. Tell us, I mean, I'm from the northeast of England. Gravy is basically yeah. running through my veins. Yeah. It's something I feel quite passionate about. And when it's amazing, it's amazing. And I just want to have a jug and a spoon. And when it's bad, I'm like, just, it's, it's, ta- it's taking away from everything. What goes into a really great gravy? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of time, a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of care, you know. So we take like two, two and a half days to do our, our, our gravy wow. uh, from scratch. So, yeah, guests love it. Um, people are, are ordering jugs and jugs of it. I was about to say, uh, would it be weird to get yeah. a takeout of gravy? It, it, it happens a lot. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be the first. All right, this is, this is good to know. Now, British um, roast dinner. It is something we've talked about on the show before. There's actually a gentleman going around Dubai who's on a mission to try, I think, 100 of them. And he's raced, oh. rating uh, locations on their food, their drinks, their, their location. And it's something a lot of people get really passionate about. And for me, being from the UK, I mean, I've been in Dubai a long time now, but since we changed the weekends from Friday, Mm -hmm. Saturday to Saturday, Sunday, I have this massive urge on a Sunday, even in the height of summer now, to be like, I could really, I could do a good roast dinner. Okay, tell us about yours. Yeah, so I mean, we've uh, we've taken a long time kind of developing uh, our our roast dinner to the to elevating it to our high standards as chefs, you know. So we've worked on all the different elements, uh, like I mentioned, the the, the gravy and uh, our Yorkshire puddings, etc. You know, good, so, good, good, good. And it's all about like the the right proportions of veg and um, you know traditionally like Sunday lunch uh, was was something you take a few hours over, you know, with the family and mm-hmm. friends, etc. Uh, we've got that, um, we think, down to a tea, you know, big hearty portions. And What's the meat choice? Have you got, so you got beef with chicken? We have beef, yeah, um, chicken, and we uh, have lamb as well. Yum, so. okay. Here's, here's my question to you. To your mind, what does absolutely not belong on a roast dinner plate? When you're like, you are, you're an outsider, get off that plate. I don't care who's asking for it, you don't belong. Ketchup. Uh, oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Another one of 
or, or, or chips. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say those two. <laughs> for, for me anyway. <laughs> chips, yes, I would tend to agree. And I would never put ketchup on a roast dinner when I'm out and about, but maybe for a lef- maybe for leftovers yeah, the next leftovers day. A message here saying, um, it, what's the, what are the potato options? Thanks, Steve. Getting to the heart of the matter. Talk to us about, about the spuds. So we do our, our roast potatoes, which uh, are, we're quite famous for or getting famous for. Um, no, 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 no. You can't just skip over the roast potatoes. <laughs> I want to talk methods. I want to know who taught you how to do a good roasty. So we basically kind of take our roast potatoes uh, steam them, dry them out, and then we, uh, we uh, marinate them in our duck fat oh. rather than cook them in the duck fat uh, directly. So we get really nice and fluffy in the middle, crispy on the outside. Um, and yeah, we, we marinate them in herbs and uh, salt and pepper, etc. So What about puds? Uh, yeah, so we do our uh, traditional sticky toffee pudding. Good man. And uh, we are... Um, hang on, hang on. Custard or ice cream, or could you do both? You could do both. Okay. Yeah, uh, we do a Bramley apple crumble as well <gasps> with blackberry through it, with served with custard. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to bring back those sort of really classic uh, dishes our, our grandmothers did, but but elevated. Now, you know? I'm glad you said elevated because I didn't realise that roast beef wasn't supposed to be grey until I went to university, and I was like, <laughs> oh, but that's how grandma made it. And yeah, it was not. I thought it was fine at the time. Not so much. Now, it's funny you should mention Apple there because my husband's just got back from a husky sledding trip in the Arctic Circle. He was in Norway and he didn't realise at the time, but it was his husband and wife team. She runs the dog yard. She's looking after the dogs and the husband is one of the best chefs in Norway. And the food was absolutely incredible. He was sending photos of, of where they were kind of at the homestead and then also when they were out on this trip. And they got back on the on the last night, and it was the the dinner was reindeer stew, followed by baked apple with ice cream. And I was like, "Isn't that not just what you'd want? Like yeah. a really like a hot baked apple with really plump sultanas." And I think it was cardamom ice cream. And I've been thinking desperately about that for 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 the last few days. I was like, "I really fancy like a really good apple crumble." So if we're going to come this weekend, and you could put together your dream meal for for a guest so you feel like they've had the full coterie experience what would be on that menu so i mean we, we've uh, come up with some kind of uh, quirky dishes as well that we like to do uh, which is our marmite roasties which we do marmite with, roasties yeah, so it's the roast potatoes done with marmite and a scotch whiskey sauce uh, so that's like the perfect kind of, you know, nibble to have at your table to start off with. Okay, so we're, we're nibbling on some Marmite roasties. This is already sounding fantastic. Yep. And then the main the main event? Yeah, it's the main event. You know, our Chardonnay stuffed chicken and our uh, pan-seared Scottish salmon mm. are great. Um, and at the weekends, of course, our, our Sunday roast is what we're what we're all about so oh, well thank you for making Tammy's rumble across the UAE Chef Damien really appreciate it for anyone who wants to check you guys out Instagram I'm guessing probably the best way to get yep. a bit, bit of a flavour some great food photography on there as well thank you kudos yeah, to the team at, at Coterie Group on, at Coterie on, Group on Instagram alright yeah. if you want you can just send me the word roast and I'll send you the Instagram so you can head over there and get a bit of a flavour of what's happening there and in terms of location in t- if we find you online where can we find you in real life so we're just uh, located above China Court in uh, Ibn Battuta Mall um, and above our sister company called Precision Football. Brilliant. So, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm good sport on the minute. And so it sounds like Marmite Roasties could be the perfect accompaniment. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love introducing you to talent here on the show. And sometimes it's a restauranter who's built a brand from the ground up here in Dubai. Sometimes it's an international chef. And sometimes it's the young up-and-comers. And my goodness, what a chef we have for you today. Celia Stockland is the new chef at Filia. Uh, it's the SLS Dubai Hotel and Residences. Already a really lauded restaurant. And at just 25 years old, what an accolade. So... First of all, congratulations, Chef. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you. Very happy to be here. And thank you for coming on a Friday because I'm sure you're very busy getting ready for service and you've got Saturday brunch tomorrow. So you can come and relax with me for half an hour yes, and just, just put your feet up for a little bit. So tell us a little bit because I asked you off air. I was like, Chef, where are you? Where are you from? Because I'd read a little bit about your background working in some incredible French restaurants, but I was like, Stockler, don't understand. Tell us a little bit 
bit about where you grew up. Yes. So um, I grew up in a small uh, city in uh, in France called uh, Rixheim. So it's uh, in the in the west of France. Um, it's in a region called Alsace. So it's basically very close to Germany. So that's why uh, my name is kind of confusing. <laughs> and um, yeah, I li- uh, I lived with my sisters and my uh, mother and my grandparents as well. Um, I grew up with them, and so I was very um, nicely close to to mm-hmm. my family uh, in general. I they are really important for me and they were really important to to my to my choices and to all the choices that i made um through my career and through my life in in general so who was cooking then when you were growing up and what were you eating as a family um for me personally, I was not much of a cook uh, when I was young, young. Um, my mother neither, <laughs> so that's uh, pretty much uh, um, contradictory. But my uh, grandmother, uh, she used to cook a lot, so I used to to see her a lot cooking. And my uh, my grandpa as well has a big garden where he grew up some vegetables and some fruits. So I really had this uh, image of uh, you know the product. Uh, going from the ground to to the plates. You were doing farm to table before we even knew what farm to table was. That must have taught you a lot about respecting of ingredients and seasonality even. Yes, exactly. And it's really important because you see how how work, um, how hard this work is. Mm. I mean, I could see my my grandpa... um, really working so hard for finally all these incredible vegetables, by the way. To grow things for his family. <laughs> it's beautiful. So um, tell us a little bit about then that the decision to get into kitchens, because it sounds from what I've read that you were working hard pretty early, Celia. Tell us about that. Yes, um, I'm, I started in the industry when I was 14. Yeah. Um, so one day uh, before starting in this industry, I went to a restaurant for, um, it was for an occasion, and um, I really felt uh, an emotion. Uh, it was um, like a fine dining small restaurant in the city, but they really make me made me feel um, an emotion that uh, I wanted to reproduce. Mm-hmm. So finally, uh, I get into it and I started an internship of two years in a one Michelin star restaurant and then uh, another you one. <laughs> started at the top. Oh my yes. goodness! And any restaurants mm-hmm. we might we might be familiar with? Any any famous names? Um, it's not a famous name. It's famous in my city and in my region, yes, because uh, it's a very nice chef. He worked with the with the biggest chefs in in France. Um, his name is uh, uh, Laurent Aller. <laughs> so it's it's really the the first chef that get me into kitchen, into competition, into that really transmits me the the passion of uh, of cooking and of uh, of the cuisine in general. You've gone on to work at the Savoy, Four Seasons Hotel, uh, Georges Cinq. Yes. Like, my goodness, I mean, incredible resume. I said you're just 25 years old. Can mm-hmm. I ask you then? You know, it is quite unusual for us to have female chefs in the kitchen in, in the kitchen in the studio, and that's not through any. You know, design. It's simply re- the representation and kind of getting a, a bit of proportional representation in terms of the chefs here in the mm-hmm. region. What kind of challenges have you faced, chef, as a, as a young woman in the industry? Um, to be honest, um, when I started in this industry, there was not a, almost not at all uh, women chefs. I think in in schools we were maybe three persons, uh, three female chefs. So that was a really kind of um, challenging because since I'm young, I I was being told that uh, this uh, this industry was only for male. That uh, women didn't have this place in it. But uh, at the end, they are wrong. Uh, you must. At the beginning, maybe you must work harder and prove yourself um, twice. But at the end, um, we can easily do uh, the same exact same job as a male chef and ever more, I think, uh-huh. personally. I have a, a friend who used to be in Dubai and she was a very accomplished pastry chef. Um, and she felt like she'd always been pushed into pastry for a long time. Mm-hmm. She was very good at it. But she said, I also, when she was training, she's like, I want to go at the grill. I want to go at the grill. Yes. And they said, no, 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 you're not ready. And she mm-hmm. went home and shaved her head and came in and said, put me on the grill. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so you're saying you've got to prove yourself twice. And she, uh, she, mm-hmm. she never looked back. And I think it's so interesting to think about you know, we talk about you know smashing glass ceilings, but sometimes it's about opening the door, but also holding that door open for people 
yes. behind you. And you knew it sounds like you've had some incredible mentors and now, yes. now you are the person that's inspiring, inspiring no, others. Yes, exactly. I mean, in, in this industry, um, I've been very lucky to be around the good persons, person that's, uh, that are behind, that, that were behind me and they are still supporting me uh, today, even years after. So um, not everyone is as lucky as me. So I'm really grateful for that. And I think it's if I have to to to, to give an advice to someone, uh, to other chefs, young chefs, it's that um, you really should um, greatly choose the person that is around you because it's really really important. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye One Hundred Three Point Eight with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. In conversation now with executive chef at Filiath SLS Dubai Hotel and Residence is 25-year-old chef Celia Stocklin. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you're always busy in the kitchen and my goodness, what an, what an amazing kitchen you have. You know, you've already got that Michelin Bib Gourmand. I'm sure you're working hard to keep hold of that and if not, add to it from the upcoming Michelin. Um, tell us a little bit about the restaurant. Um, what's the philosophy and what are some of your favourite dishes? Um, so the restaurant has a very particular philosophy. It's a, what, the first family the restaurant concept in Dubai. Um, so the whole restaurant is um, leaded by this. And our menu has as well a specific concept because it's, div- it's divided in three parts. So you have the nonas dishes, which is very the, the traditional dishes, you know, the, the dishes that you put in the center of the table and that you have everybody uh, taking, taking it. And then you have the mama's dishes. So a bit more contemporary uh, style. And then you have the filias dishes. So this is personally, the, the yes. next generation. Exactly. It's Tell the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you know, obviously respecting Italian flavors and yes. cuisine, but perhaps pushing it a little bit. Tell us about some of the dishes that you're really proud of then, Chef. Um, but we actually, we changed the menu a few weeks ago. So um, I'm really proud proud of uh, this new menu that uh, we created with uh, the whole team. Um, there is a few dishes that uh, I would highly recommend, like the truffle beef carpaccio, which is uh, a filia, one of the filia's dishes. Um, it's really flavorful, uh, very light. And then there is as well the, the risotto uh, is pretty much nice as well, very refreshing. It's um, the asparagus and lemon risotto with spinach puree and fontina foam. And the fontina foam will give all the Cream, creaminess to, to the risotto. So it's really, really interesting. interesting. Oh, lovely spring flavours. <laughs> um, who inspires you? As I said, just 25 years old and I'm sure there's parents and, and young people listening today going, oh my goodness, she's incredible. <laughs> who do you look up to in the food industry? Uh, actually, um, I have a lot of person that uh, I can say that inspires me. Um, of course, uh, one of the the most known person uh, that I can tell you is uh, the chef uh, Anne Sophie Pick, so really yeah. well known chef in France. Um, she was my role model uh, since I'm young. Like I always say that I wanted to to be like her in the future. You know when I I, I will be uh, very very experienced and everything. And but if I have to say in the family side, um, of course my 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 grandma because mm-hmm. she was. She was my first role model when I was young. She was the one cooking and, and giving us food every day. I mean, your family must be absolutely beaming with pride. Um, <laughs> can I ask then whose opinion means the most to you when you're creating a dish or you're doing testings or you're thinking about what would they think about this? Who, whose opinion do you really care about, Chef? Uh, of course, I would say my, my parents and my sisters. It's it's really for them first that I wanted to do, and every time I have I achieve something uh, nice, I think about them. I mean, I'm doing it for them, you know, to to make them proud. And I think it's yes, it's one of uh, the main reason I I am in this industry and I'm I, I am here now. So mm. I'm glad you are. Last question, <laughs> and it's it's a, it's it's a hard one to be honest. It's a question that I think about a lot, and I change my mind about a lot. Now we're going to pretend we're sending you to a really terrible desert island. The yes. food is awful, <laughs> but the night before you go, you get to have the meal of your dreams: starter, main, dessert, or indeed any configuration. If you wanted to have chocolate or cheese for all three, I do not judge. <laughs> Chef Celia, what would you have? 
Um, first, uh, every everybody that knows me, uh, they will know that I will definitely put on this menu salmon and foie gras. <laughs> it can sound cliche, but I really, I'm really a big, big fan of uh, of uh, foie gras. So I would say uh, foie gras as a starter, and then salmon, and to finish, um, not. To finish exactly because I would um, put some cheese. cheese? Yeah, okay. Yes, exactly. To fine. finish the cliche, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a dessert, um, I'm really, really, really a big fan of um, apple tata. Oh, delicious! Could yes. you cook that for us one time? Thank you I so <laughs> much, Chef. Really do appreciate it. You, you can be found there with your team um, there at Filia at SLS, the region's first female-led restaurant, award-winning and just 25 years old. An absolute honour and privilege to meet you and wishing you all the very best. Please Thank come you. back to us when you are yes. even bigger and even more famous because um, I'd be very honoured to say that we were, we were there close to the beginning. So thank you, Chef. Thank you. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love introducing you to the chefs, but the chef needs no introduction. Chef Richard Sandoval joining us now, a pioneer in Latin cuisine. He's a chef, a restaurateur, an entrepreneur, television personality, an author, philanthropist. He has venues across 60 locations and four continents, including Toro Toro, right here in Dubai. Chef, an honour to chat with you. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Um, Thank you for... Stealing yourself away from the kitchen for a, for a quick chat. Um, now, 60, 60 venues across the globe. Be honest, do you have more hours in the day than everybody else, Chef? How are you doing this exactly? That's exactly what my team says. You know, Richard's, in Richard's world, you know, there's 48 hours in the day. There's not 24. <laughs> no, but seriously, how, how do you juggle it all in terms of prioritizing and travel time and you know, your passion and the management. What, t- give us a little insight. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have amazing people work with me and I've been able to, you know, to delegate, not micromanage. And so, you know, I just have amazing people that travel the world with me. And, uh, you know, we have amazing partners like the Governor's House where, you know, they run the day-to-day operation. So it's all about these partnerships, leadership, and, and surrounding you with, you know, with great people that are smarter than you are. <laughs> Chef, we're, it's April 2023. Dubai is booming. You know, we've got new restaurants. We've got old favourites continuing to be booked out. But the story three years ago was very different indeed. 2020 around this time, you know, we, we'd never seen anything like it and we didn't know what was ahead of us. And I think the food and beverage industry was hit so, so hard. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what that industry has been like post-pandemic and perhaps reflect on the last few years with us. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, we got hit like with like, you know, like nothing we've, we've seen before. Um, you know, I, I let go of over 3,000 employees around the globe. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, COVID's over and our industry just skyrocket, you know, it's vertically goes, you know, so it's, it was just, it was very challenging, you know, you know, there's no staff. So it's been a, you know, very difficult, uh, you know, three years, but I think we're slowly, you know, have recovered. Um, we've, you know, been able to manage by, you know, you know, training people, um, you know, limited menus. Obviously, I think service standards are not where they need to be yet, but, you know, people need to be patient and understand that, you know, what we went through the last three years. But, uh, you know, I think we're, you know, us personally, we've slowly recovered, you know, all of our restaurants are up and running. We only closed, you know, one restaurant that didn't open. And we actually opened three during COVID. So, you wow. know, we were you know, very fortunate. It's, um, that's, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really interesting to hear about, you know, from the inside out. In Dubai, we were very fortunate in terms of a very limited lockdown and we're a dining out city. As soon as we were able to go out eating again, there was this huge boomerang effect and everyone went out, not just for food, but for that social side as well, you know, about the what I like, you know, little people watching and overhearing conversations at the next table and, and the atmosphere. Do you, do you feel like we've, we've changed perhaps our, our dining habits or our attitudes post-pandemic? Have you noticed any trends or, or changes in, in behaviour patterns? I think we're, we're more acceptable, you know, acceptance of, of certain things, which, you know, before we probably would, you know, not, not be so accepting. I think, like you said, I mean, you know, we're social creatures and, you know, during the pandemic we were hearing how, you know, all these, you know, pop-up and, you know, Uber Eats and these things that people are going to change their dining, um, you know, patterns and eat at home a lot more. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are, 
we are social creatures. You know, it's not just about going out to eat a meal, but it's about, you know, socializing with people, you know, you know, listening to music, looking at design. I mean, restaurants today are lifestyles, you know, so we go out to to enjoy a lifestyle. So I, I think everything's back. I think it's only going to, you know, get better. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to see where we are today, like you said, you know, in 2023. Now, I wanted to ask you, after decades in the industry, Chef, and I'm not going to give away your age, but we'll just say that, uh, that the years have been kind and you're doing incredibly well. But has your definition of success changed over the years? When you were a young chef starting out, what were your goals and what does that su- idea of success look like now? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, my, you know, the way I look at success today is, um, you know, I'm more in, involved in, you know, philanthropic activities you know we have Viva Abejas which you know long live the bees as you know not many people know this but you know we've you know lost 40 percent of their habitats in the last two to three years you know every you know two out of every four bites you know is is done through pollinization so I think for me today is different it's not just opening restaurants anymore but you know can we be impactful can we open a restaurant and be you know help the community be part of the community go local you know sustainability is a big thing so I think, you know, as, as, as my kids start to join the company, you know, they're younger, they, they can focus on opening restaurants right now. For me, it's about a legacy and, mm-hmm. you know, helping causes and, you know, helping, you know, you know, different causes around the world that, you know, will help us, you know, be sustainable over the next 20 years. Otherwise, you know, if we keep overfishing, we're not going to have fish, right? If we keep, you know, deforestizing, we're not, we're not going to have forests, we're going to kill all these habitats, and animals won't be around. So I think all these are very important causes that us as entrepreneurs and, and business owners you know, need to, you know, you know, you know, be part of and get involved in as, as we get older. Yeah, it's interesting, that kind of push and pull, you know, how much comes from the diner side that we want to have local items on the menu, or we want to be, we're just talking about zero waste dining today on the show, and how much of that push comes from above, from the kitchens, from the chefs, from the restaurant and hotel group saying, this is our priority, this is what we want to put forward to you as diners. We you know in terms of the changes that you're making, chef, in the restaurants, obviously Toro Toro here in Dubai, but also internationally, are there any things you think, goodness, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have crossed my mind, that wouldn't actually have been a decision I'd made, whether it's sourcing or techniques or food wastage that you could speak to now? I think, I think, I think the most, I mean, techniques are techniques, right? I mean, sous vide was in, you know, now we're flash free, freezing fish, you know, to, to maintain their integrity and their flavor. So there's all these things, but I think the most impactful things that, that we as a company are trying to do is, you know, we just had a big partnership with a, with a water company that's not using plastic bottles anymore, you know, that, that's biodegradable. So I think all these things that we can do within our restaurants, our environments, you know, to help the world are going to be very, very impactful. And I think by doing it in our restaurants, our, our co-workers, you know, kind of, you know, see it and then, you know, makes them take action when they go home to mm-hmm. their countries. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, you know, we have to be the starters of, of, of these different, uh, you know, um, things and, and, you know, institutions and things that we, that we try to, to impact. You mentioned the, the next generation of Sandoval's going into the business. Tell us a little bit about your advice to anyone looking to get into F&B in 2023. Um, what, where are the areas of interest? Where do you think the areas of growth and profit might be? And some general advice from, from your experience. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I always recommend, you know, in the hospitality industry, you know, I mean, you need to experience both sides, right? I mean, I think today people look at the celebrity chef and say, well, wow, well, I want to be a celebrity chef. But that that doesn't come easy. I mean, it's not, you know, it's something you sign up for and then it, and it happens or you study it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to have all the right elements. But I think it's important to spend time in a kitchen if, if you know, if you want to be a culinarian, you want to be a chef, you know, the front of the house, you know, takes a different skill set. Um, spend some time doing it, you know, before you, before you sign up for it. Because hospitality is an amazing industry, but it does have, you know, long hours. Um, so there are elements that you know, may not be, you know, you know, whatever everybody's looking for. So, you know, really understand and engage in it, you know, before you actually, you know, you know, sign up for it. Yes, exactly. Um, look, back, look beyond the social media. <laughs> exactly. I mean, areas of opportunities, I think, you know, our menus, I, I think, you know, COVID taught us something that, uh, you know, we are able to, you know, to maintain our kitchens, you know, with labor, um, you know, smaller labor metric matrices. Um, you know, we're used to having these big brigades of people, right? Mm-hmm. And when, when, when we lost everything during COVID and we came back and we couldn't find people, you know, we learned that, you know, we can't have, you know, lower labor costs. 
Um, you know, food costs is, is always, there's always an opportunity there. Um, you know, unfortunately, we have very high inflation right now, too. So, you know, we're, you know, the prices of food are, you know, pretty expensive. And I said this four years ago is, you know, we're going to look at, you know, restaurants are going to be 30, you know, $35 hamburgers. And, you know, they're not there yet, but we are seeing 23 $24, $5 hamburgers today mm-hmm. as, as a normal, right? So, I know something's going to, you know, have to, to give pretty soon. Something's but it, it seems like, you know, Fed's kind of controlling you know, inflation. So hopefully, you know, we're going to see pricing come down a little bit. I hope so. Um, Chef Richard Sandoval, let's talk food. Toro Toro menu. Um, what's, what is, what's currently got you excited and what's resonating with Dubai diners right now that we could be eating this weekend? Well, you know, obviously, you know, ceviches are, you know, we did a ceviche masterclass, you know, you know two nights ago. Um, you know, going into summer, ceviches are, it's, it's an always an, an, an amazing dish, you know, not very high in calories. It's very, very refreshing. It's fish. So I think ceviches and, you know, it's something I'm, I'm always excited about, but something I'm looking to really expand on, you know, as I don't know if you know this, but in 24, you know, Toro will be closed down and remodeled completely. And within three months, you guys are going to see the new Toro 2.0. So, you know, with this beautiful raw bar and, you know, very open kitchen so we're very excited about that well thank you for spending some some time in our company this afternoon as i said you're an incredibly busy man chef and we really do value your insights from the last couple of years but also some ideas about moving forward you can find toro toro of course there at grosvenor house chef richard sandoval wishing you and the gang there across the globe and here in dubai all the very best for the, for the weekend have a good one sir have a good one. Chef Richard Sandoval, what an honour. Um, we love introducing you to chefs and, of course, having some time with some of the best in the business. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Joining us live in the studio, industry insider Courtney Brandt, fresh back from travels, fresh from lunch as well. Where did you dine today? I had the wonderful opportunity to go to Zinn, um, and that is my friend Dahlia, and it is located at both the Fit Republic and the Studio Republic. So it's like the inside cafe, very original food, go for breakfast, go for lunch. I'm going back soon because I only got to try a fraction of the menu. What kind of cuisine? I mean, they're both quite health-centric locations. Is that a big thing or is it just a kind of, you don't have to have a protein bar? (laughs) You can have a protein bar, uh, but I would say, again, Dahlia has this very global look at food. She's a a published cookbook author as well. Um, Some might know her from her kitsch days, but there is, if you need the protein shake, great. If you want a healthy salad, she's got that. If you want crepes, tartines, because she grew up in... uh, Paris. Ooh. I had a whipped feta and aubergine tartine and I, I can't stop thinking about that it. That sounds amazing. So Zin, Z-I-N-N? Correct. Okay, yep. there you go. Thank mm-hmm. you. Straight in with a recommendation. <laughs> um, now, I have to say, you have got your finger on the pulse in terms of local eating and regional travel. Where were you over Eid? I got to go to Belgrade to Serbia for the first time. Tell us. It was incredible. I I hate to say that I would ever approach a city or a country without, you know, just, you know, expectations. But I had, I had, you know, really no expectations. I know some lovely Serbian nationals here. We know, of course, Stasha from uh, 21 21 Grams. Uh, So she had recommendations. Food was excellent. People could not be nicer. Your Durham goes very far when you're in Belgrade. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Let us know what you're up to over the weekend. Equally, if you've got a foodie conundrum, this is your chance. I had a message from my friend Fiona yesterday saying, you'll know the answer to this, which is always a great way of going, oh my goodness, I don't know the answer to this. And she lives in Abu Dhabi and she said, coming down to Dubai for um, dinner with her sister. And she's like, I can't deal with any traffic drama. So she wants somewhere that's easy, easy in, easy out. And my recommendation on the food front, unlicensed, 21 grams. Um, and then also had a recommendation of Mot 32. But I wanted to put it to you as well, Courtney, in terms of drama-free locations, she, super foodie. She sounds like my kind of person because I always think first of what's parking, the parking? What's the parking? <laughs> Do you know, I think somewhere we've both been and enjoyed is Tagomago. Oh, that's a great it, There's one. plenty of parking there. You could drop the car. You can valet. You could get a taxi. It's right there on the Palm. Go for lunch. Go for late lunch. Go for dinner. Make it a day. I really enjoyed it there. Now, this is where Il Faro was. So as you go on the palms on the right-hand side, and I, I did like El Faro. In fact, when, that was one of our first book clubs. They had, great, they had a great ladies' night there. Um, this food, though, no disrespect to El Faro, um, 
was incredible. It was. So Spanish cuisine, but some kind of international flavours in there as well. Um, I loved, I love, love, love the prawns. We had an amazing paella. The kids were super happy with their food. And it's a beach club. But, and I'm going to have to try and say this very delicately, it's not a typical beach club in that people were wearing some clothes. So that was nice. It was. It's <laughs> elevated. It's, I mean, because it's, it's family friendly. It is. It's recast group. So you would know them, Mimi Kakushi and Twiggy. But this to me is a really, it's a missing, I didn't realize how much this space was missing. Just mm-hmm. an easy vibe. Uh, very, Europe, you know, it's, it's Spanish and you're really getting those vibes through in the menu, in the music. I yeah. loved the soundtrack. Interior is great. Exterior is great. Like make advantage of this last the, our last few weeks I, and I don't know if anyone else is seeing this trend that's going around social media at the minute on tiktok and instagram reels about basically like you're in a wes anderson film the aesthetic for taco could not be more wes anderson it's very it's very chic it's very colorful lots of orange and pink it's instagram-tastic and the food is brilliant so look at us with the recommendations okay um what are your weekend plans I am actually uh, off to a collab uh, at Tresen Studio. It has been a minute since I have been there. I believe it is part of, you know, we're in Dubai Restaurant Week right now. Restaurant Weeks, yes. Yes, so they have, uh, as part of the foodie experiences, there is a uh, collaboration going on. But there has, I've seen people doing the 10 Durham deals around town. I've seen, I mean, there is the range of things to mm-hmm. go check out. The canteen, I think, is back. Literally just go on either Dubai Eats or look up Dubai Food Festival. You will find something amazing this weekend. It's funny because when I saw the dates of the beach canteen, I was like, oh, it's going to be a bit, uh, bit warm down there. No. The weather continues to be absolutely gorgeous. So whether you're indoors or outdoors, lots and lots of options. And yeah, let us know what your plans are. Equally, if you do have any foodie conundrums, Courtney Brandt in the studio with us until half past four. Um, Let's talk food trends and news. I sent you a link saying, Courtney, we have to talk about pickles. Yes, (laughs) we we can always talk about pickles. (laughs) I was actually, it was written by Stylist, which was funny to me, because pickles are the new avos, basically. Pickles are the new avocados. It's funny because I thought pistachios are the new avocados. That That was a month ago, but... Pickles are being put on T-shirts and hats and, of course, in our mouths as well. I love a pickle um, and it did. My first introduction to pickles was, I'm sure, like many other children, in a McDonald's meal. Okay, very nice. <laughs> and, now, and now my kids go, can you order me a cheeseburger plain? And I'm like, you are missing out on the pickle. Give me the pickle. Give me yes. the pickle. Um, but we've seen some very weird combinations. People doing a pickle dipped in making a, that corn dog. And, you know, it's people are embracing the pickle. The pickle. Um, I, you know, a quick shout out to Park and Shop because they have American pickles and they have the range. So if you're in, if you listen to this and you need some pickles, go to go to Park and Shop. Spoken like a true American. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the food news. Yes. A strange name's been given to individual MLMs. Yes. What is this about? So I saw this and I couldn't believe it really because I have lived this many years and today I learned an individual M&M is called a lentil. What? Yes. So not just an M. No. A lentil. A lentil. And apparently this is like a historic global term for individual candies. Like a Smartie would Correct. be a lentil. A Skittle can be a lentil. I learned that. Um, but yeah, it's been used for ages. Um, I just thought an M&M's was an M&M. But it, it can be and is the, the industry term would be a lentil. I mean, if, if, if it makes it sound healthy, then I am down. <laughs> Have your lentils. Um, you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I have got a 500 dirham voucher up for grabs for you to spend in your local Spinney store. If you can tell me a food-related joke. Um, and I have to say, there's some brilliant ones coming in. Truly, truly, truly. Um, absolutely love them. Um, there's no right or wrong, but if you can make us giggle in the studio, you're in with a shot. And kids, we'd love to hear from you. This is my eight-year-old with hers. What's Beethoven's favourite fruit? Banana. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Courtney Brand, it's pretty good, right? I laughed. I laughed out loud. An LOL for me. Actual yes. LOL. Think you do better than Phoebe Farmer? Go on, have a crack. Industry Insider Courtney Brandt is with us this afternoon. Um, you can rent a friend in Tokyo. You can. Tell me more. So the, the company is called Client Partners, which is nice and vague. And essentially, it's a company that if you need a person to do... This is sounding really dodgy, Courtney I know, Brandt. I know. And in the article, they do address that. Okay, good. Um, so... Legal, legal. Don't get your, get your mind out Disclaim- of the gutter. Disclaimers. Yes, correct. Thank you. So essentially, um, this person, uh, the writer, it's a really well done article. I, I w- it's it's on Afar, A F A R. But 
it's for locals that are lonely, uh, people that are visiting. So essentially, this this author went through the week and just kind of went out with different people. Oh, and so for about $115, I'd, I'd have to do the Durham's math there, for two hours, you know, you have a local friend to help you with the language, to go shopping with you. Some to, foodie recommendations. There you go. And and I think, so, like, I don't mind being a solo traveler. I've done it. I have no issue with it. But it can be intimidating to be in a foreign city. I'm thinking, would I rather be a solo traveler or with a stranger? What's going to give me more social anxiety? I'm not sure. It would depend on the person. You'd need to see a little video and see if you'd vibe first, I reckon. I say this, but when my husband and I visited Tokyo a few years ago, we did a bespoke kind of private tour. Like we wanted to see a cat shrine and we wanted to see some foodie stuff. So they just built it around us. But why not? I think, I don't know, like it can be intimidating. But I think if you if you wanted that a moment, an hour of social kind of interaction, it might be a good way to do it. There you go. Let us know. Um, now, keen to get your take on this, Courtney Brunt. And we've, we've seen this in a couple of restaurants here in Dubai. You make a booking and they said, yep, you've got a table, but you've, you've got two hours. Or you've got a table, but you need to be out of there by half past nine. Sometimes that's music to my ears. Out by half past nine, in bed by ten. Happy days indeed. However, if you are a group, it's an occasion. How do you feel about being given a time limit? I personally think it goes against hospitality. In my mind, true hospitality is the guest is always made to feel welcome. Then there's the American side of me who says, flip the table, turn the table, you bring in more money, right? Mm. So I get it. But I think depending on the location, and this is a New York Post article that, you know, they're going through it and what people are paying and what, you know, to have a 90 minute block on the table, I I would feel rushed from the start. Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's, I'm with you. Like I like being in bed and home by, (laughs) by 10, Uh, but you know, it's an occasion to go out. And I think especially in Dubai, prices can be, can vary. And if you're making that investment, you don't want to have a time limit on your experience. What are some of your other restaurant pet peeves that, you know, you, you would, would um, not say end in a negative review, but might end up in feedback to said restaurant when you're visiting? I, you can tell a well-trained staff versus a non-well-trained staff. So my, my, I go to a lot of restaurants that are just open and I tend to just ask, tell me about your signature dishes. The answer to that tells me everything I need to know about training because I think a, an educated staff or one where the time has been taken each of the staff, all of them know exactly what they can push, what is interesting, what the highlights are. And it's just is a very simple question that I ask. If they can't answer that, I don't have a lot of confidence in the rest mm. of the experience. I had one last night. I was like, oh, I wonder what Courtney thinks about this. So listen to, listen to what a good wife I am. Okay. My husband's been traveling and in his absence, I've been watching Total Junk TV and not watching Succession because that is something we watch together. So last night... Rushed the kids to bed very early. Sorry, kids. <laughs> so we could watch Succession. Finished up around 10 o'clock. Perfect bedtime. And my phone rings. I'm like, well, that's weird because it's not a UK number. And it was the restaurant I'd booked for breakfast this morning confirming at 10 o'clock at night. I'm sorry. No, thank you. No. I'm not going to name and shame, but let's just say whoever called me, I, 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 wasn't, I didn't hold back. No, and that's what WhatsApp is for. Like in today's age. Totally, you have my number. WhatsApp me. (laughs) It's so aggressive. My phone, anything past 8 p.m. that is not the United States or somebody I know, why? Why Why? are you showing up? And I've had had PR um, deliver things past. And it is, you just have to understand that it is, again, opposite of hospital hospitality is you know the giving and enjoyment and not pressuring people let's just say i cancel breakfast yeah fair enough <laughs> and i think as a client and a customer that that's very good feedback for them they had feedback yes helen did not hold back and i don't i'm not i'm very normally very british and very polite but i just said um please don't call me at this time it's not appropriate boom, boom. Hang up. Class. Exactly. Um, now, I've always said if I was going to start a food truck, it would be grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Yes. Um, that's pretty much all, all I want in life. Yeah. This is next level grilled cheese you're bringing me to the table. This is even a lot for me. So going back to New York, probably some version of this exists here. Or I'm giving somebody an idea, but there's uh, a restaurant, Serendipity, Serendipity 3. I've been there. Right. Did you have the cho- hot chocolate? Frozen hot chocolate. Okay. Yes. yes, I did. It's, I was a massive tourist cliche. That's okay. This one you have to order, this grilled cheese sandwich, you have to order 48 hours in advance. Uh, the bread is made of a product that makes, let's say, bubbly drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, there is edible gold and one of the finest and rarest Italian cheeses on this. It comes with 
topped with truffle butter. And then to the side, you have your lobster tomato bisque. The cost is 214 U.S. dollars. Oh, la la. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Do people actually buy... I mean, they so, must do. Okay. I mean, they're obviously getting some good PR out of it. We're talking yes. about it now. And yes. I'm sure, you know, there's been websites discussing this. Uh, I do, but this city to me sometimes, you know, obviously I go out and I, and I always try and think where in the market things stand. Another restaurant that shall not be named. <laughs> I, I was out and I had a... We need to do a podcast where we can talk about things you can't talk about on air. Uh, it was a crab cake. <laughs> it was mostly white beans and it was 265 dirhams. <gasps> and it, like at the table, I, like we did, it didn't register at the start and it wasn't, do you know, sometimes you get a huge portion and you can make it work. This one was like... Enough for two. But for that price point, as our friend Sarah said, that's 50 pounds. <laughs> no, honestly, if you convert, you vomit. Yes. That's absolutely yep. obscene. Um, I want to get a few quick recommendations yep. since, you're, since you're back in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you been anywhere the last few days since being back from Belgrade? And weekend plans, Courtney Brand? I have been fortunate. Enough, I, do you know where I've never been to is Fish at Weston oh, Municipal. It's really good. It is really fun. It's like being on holiday. You're know, like sand, sand between your toes, super photogenic, and the food's brilliant. It is. And I finally made it to Honeycomb Hi-Fi, and my expectations were so exceeded. It's such a cool place. Go Sonal for snacks. Rupani yep. from Offscript was raving about it. She's a he- Helen. I think you'd love it. So it's kind of like vinyl, like big, yes. big, big music focus, but food definitely not um, second priority. Not at all. But we were had we had the Shazam out. We were every track. We were into it. And and go is two. Go is four. Go by yourself because there's a you can just go in, but it's a secret door. Like I don't want to give too much away. And which hotel? This is in the Pullman uh, Business Bay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. You have got your Substack email going out this weekend. So if you want some food news, you want some recommendations, some insider info, what's the best way to sign up? You can find everything. Um, uh, on Instagram in my links underscore Courtney Brandt underscore. You can send me the word food. I will send you the link so you can find that out. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Always appreciate your time. Um, and as I said, if you've got any questions or indeed you want to give it somewhere a shout out, this is your chance message here for a shout out for saying at Beach Canteen, shout out to new Dubai homegrown ice cream company Frosty Bro. Great opportunity to try them out. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.